Okay, the F word is back in play in the financial services world. Tony, when I say the F word, what do you think about? F***. Oh, wait, or did you mean food? <laughs> no, <laughs> we're talking about the word fiduciary. And considering that some new rules came into effect on June 30th of 2020, I think it's important for our listeners to hear about this stuff. You are about to listen to an episode of Dolphin Financial Radio. Each week, co-hosts Dan and Tony will explore topics about finance and retirement. It's fun, informative, and most of all useful to those who are interested in retiring successfully. Now, let's begin the show. Hello and welcome to another Dolphin Financial Radio show with me, Dan Wendell, owner of the Dolphin Financial Group. Tony Shore is with me. little disappointed in today's topic. When I said the F word, you got really excited. I know <laughs> what you were thinking, and this is a family show, and you weren't thinking family. I was thinking you food. Were... <laughs> <laughs> see, Fried food. Fried food is even better. Two Fs. <laughs> two F words. <laughs> Two F words are always better than one, Dan. So I'm going to let you con- continue to think about those fried foods in the back <laughs> of your head as I'm talking about the fiduciary word, and um, I'll see if I can keep you engaged enough. <laughs> okay. Well, I am curious as to what you have to say about fiduciary. I mean, it's come up before on the show, but I'm glad we're revisiting it because I think it's even more important right now because a lot of people are needing to look at their finances and reallocate and a fiduciary they need to know what it means and why it's so important to them i would assume and what's interesting is that in june at the very end of june 2020 there are some new rules out and it's not what you might think and it's I, i'm i'm very curious as to what the listeners are going to be hearing about it in the media but they probably haven't heard about it. This might be the first time that they knew that some new rules came out. So I want to talk about it. I don't want to keep it light because it can get we can get into the weeds. Sure. What so, new rules are you talking about? I haven't heard about any new rules. The best interest rule. Have you heard about this? The best interest rule. You know, I, mm. I, I heard about it. I don't know anything about it, though. I've heard that term thrown around recently, but I haven't. I don't know what it is. Okay. So let's let's take a quick trip back in history to the... Right after the Depression, 1920s, 1929, when was the crash? You know, um, so the 1930s. Yeah, see? So, Tony, we're going to go back, okay? Listen up, all right? <laughs> Very good, Dan. You took me <laughs> right back Robinson there. there right, yeah. yeah. We got a little Tommy gun. You see that guy in St. Louis that brought the Tommy gun uh, looking gun out when the people crashed through his property oh my god <laughs> he looked like he was holding a tommy gun in the 1920s i know Crazy. <laughs> anyway okay so back to the modern times here um so back no let's go back to the 2030s so right after the depression congress got together and said we gotta we gotta figure out how to regulate these financial people and they broke out in the financial people like myself into two separate categories, very distinct, very clear. You had broker dealers and you had registered investment advisors. So full disclosure, I am a registered investment advisor. Actually, 
Dolphin Wealth Management is the registered investment advisor. I'm an investment advisor representative of Dolphin Wealth Management. So what they did is they took broker dealers and put them in one category of business and they took investment advisors and put them in another category. Broker dealers were in the business of brokering the sale of financial or transaction. So buying and selling of securities. They were brokering a deal. That's where the word broker comes from. It's not about making you broker, more broke. <laughs> so Okay. So they would be basically transactional. And they have their own set of rules that they have to follow and they had to do what's suitable for you. But they that's that's it. That was their what they had to do was suitable. Then on the other side were investment advisors and they were in the business or in the business of providing advice and they charged to provide guidance and advice and not the sale or purchase and sale of financial instruments. So two very separate people and the investment advisors were held to the fiduciary standard, whereas brokers were held to a suitability standard and when you say fiduciary, you think you have to act in your best interests. So transactional on one side, fiduciary best interest guidance on the other. And that's kind of how it went down. And then in 2010, under Obama, there was a push to start forcing all advice, all people that talk and deal with financial, financial guidance to be fiduciaries. And there obviously was a big pushback from the brokers because they said, oh, I have to not just do what's suitable. I have to do what's in the best interest of the clients. And so the best interest rule, the fiduciary rule was passed and then Trump shot it down. And now it's no longer actually never came into fruition Mm. until June 2020. A new rule was passed called the best interest rule, which raises the bar for brokers and forces them to do what's in the best interest of the clients. And that's kind of where we stand now. That's sounds great. Doesn't it? Yeah. You've raised the bar, right? But, and, and I'm not, I'm going to tell you I'm on the side of a investment advisor and there was a group of seven state attorneys general that sued and there was a group called the XY planning network, which I'm not affiliated with, but I like what they do. Um, they are investment advisors and they were suing the department of labor saying, or the the government saying, Hey, this idea of raising the bar for brokers is great, but why not just make them fiduciaries too? Why not make everyone fiduciaries? Your, best interest standard that you've created falls short. It doesn't put us on the same playing field. So you're basically still having two separate rules and guidance and it's not enough. Either you do all or you leave it alone. Right. And that's what the lawsuit was coming basically in a nutshell. And it lost, they lost. And so June 30th, the securities and exchange commission regulation went into effect So it is in effect now, and this lawsuit may be pushed uh, to the Supreme Court. We'll find out. But basically, um, the new rule, the best interest standard, is for brokers, and it says they need to have a new legal and ethical standard for recommending and selling investment products. 
So the, for the first time ever, brokers will be required to put the best interests of their customers before their own. And I know what you're thinking, Tony. How can it be that they weren't putting the best interests of their customers in, uh, ahead of themselves in the first place? How is that even humanly possible? Well, it sounds ridiculous. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, uh, greed and uh, human beings being what they are, Dan. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So we, we tried this before. We tried to get the inve- uh, brokers to follow a fiduciary rule, and that got vacated in 2016, the fiduciary rule, and it just got shot down. And so, um, so prior to this new rule, brokers had to follow suitability. So you can do something that's suitable doesn't necessarily mean it's in your best interest, right? Does that does this suit fit me, Tony? Yeah, it fits you, but it's canary yellow. I don't think you want to wear it. Uh, you look terrible in it, right? You I look, look like a really terrible. fat, overripe banana. Is that right. what you're? Is right. that what you're saying? But it fits in my yellow suit. That it, it fits, fits perfectly. perfectly. Yeah. yeah. Right. So it's totally suitable for you. I just don't think it's in your best interest. So right. now, now we're moving to a rigorous more rigorous standard and there's going to be this debate because what's happened, Tony, is I'm in this industry. I know it. I've done it. I've seen it. I've followed it. I'm very into it, yet it's so darn confusing. Yeah. It just complicates But you are a things. fiduciary. I am. But I, not I, I that followed, you, you would look out for your client's best interests anyway because I know you, Dan, and that's what you do, but you have a fiduciary responsibility to do so and you're audited to make sure that's what you're doing. And now, are you saying this new bill will basically mean that other financial people who call themselves financial planners and insurance agents will also have to follow that fiduciary standard? No, they don't. They have to follow now this best interest standard, oh, which, by so, the way, sounds a whole lot better. Like it's it's just a mar- it's almost like why do we pick? Why did the fiduciaries pick fiduciary instead of best interest? I think best interest sound people get that. Well, right? fiduciary is like. Yeah, it what sounds it, like a bad word, which is why we're calling this this episode the F word. Right. It does. It sounds it sounds confusing. It, it is confusing. Well, back then when they came up with it, it was a different time and and something that oh, I'm a fiduciary. It sounds important. It sounds it official. Uh but no one knows what it means and they probably liked that. But now nowadays you need more there's more information, people are more educated and you need to tell people what it is and just do it right up front with the name. Uh, the best interest standard, right? Right. So, so this best interest standard is for brokers. The fiduciary standard still remains for investment advisors. But it's but the same the, thing, basically, right? It's not though. That's the whole point. It, oh, it's not. If it if it was the same thing, why wouldn't you just make it the same thing? And that's the lawsuit. That's the that's the case. I mean, it's better than it used to be. It used to be, <laughs> not not too long ago now. Early 2020, it used to be you do something that's suitable. The broker could do something suitable, not it's suitable. in the best interest. I mean, it's and like that's doctor, such a vague, broad, uh, it's suitable. It's very similar to the when doctors prescribe, like if a doctor gave you uh, a medicine and you would assume it's in, in the best interest, but they get they get a kickback if they offer you a different drug that yeah, it works. You know, it'll it'll solve your problem. It's probably not the best drug for you. But it works. It's suitable. And I get a kickback if I offer it to you. So and that was the way it worked. Now, you wouldn't work with a doctor that did that. You just simply wouldn't. But it's so convoluted in the financial world that a lot of people work with brokers that do that. And so what they're trying to do is eliminate that by raising the bar. 
And so how they do this, the best interest standard, they're now instituting some new forms that clients need to sign off on that say, hey, here are my conflicts of interest. Here's how I get paid. Here's how I make commissions. Here's all the things that I do that may be considered a little sketchy. I'm being upfront with you now and I'm required to show you these. So that's what the new best interest standard has done is it's forcing brokers to actually disclose conflicts of interest, which the fiduciary rule already requires for investment advisors. We have to show conflicts of interest. So the problem I'm having, and this is, here's a quote from, uh, from the Barbara Roper. She's the director of investor protection at the consumer Federation of America. So she's looking out for consumers. She doesn't sell anything. She's not a financial person. So her comment is, The regulation BI, which is regulation best interest, combines a vague and undefined quote unquote best interest standard with minimal restrictions on incentives that encourage and reward harmful advice. It's a toxic combination. So, um, and she went on to say, investors and retirement savers deserve real protections, not the sham, which was drafted to preserve industry profits and not protect investors. (laughs) Where do I stand on it? Um, I see both sides. It's really expensive to be a fiduciary. Being a fiduciary, acting in your client's best interest all the time is very difficult. You have to have significant education. You, you're taking on liability because if you say something and someone does it, you, you're liable for that advice. They're paying you for that advice. So you better make sure it's in their best interest. There's less incentives. As a fiduciary, I don't get incentivized to sell a product versus a different product because that as opposed to a salesman that has those incentives. So the case can be made that it's so expensive to be a fiduciary that those that don't have a lot of wealth, they can't afford the fiduciary because it's too expensive. Mm. They can't afford to pay the advisor. So they go with the broker who gets commissions and still gives advice, but um, not at the same standard as a fiduciary, but they don't have to pay that person because they're getting paid commissions. So it's a lot cheaper. So that's the case that the brokers were making is it's so much cheaper to offer advice when you're getting commission than it is to be a fiduciary because you got to charge the client a lot of money for that advice. So there's that's the big issue is they're saying if we all require to be fiduciaries, no one, all the low wealth people will not get advice because they can't afford it. Mm. Or can they? Yeah, well, they, yeah. Uh, you offer complimentary consultation so they can at least get advice and see where they're at. I mean, right. uh, uh, most fiduciaries do that. Um, I think I think it's better to do an across-the-board, make everybody held accountable. And I know a lot of people out there, we don't want to promote big government or government oversight, but I think it's good to audit uh, brokers and insurance guys out there selling annuities should have to look out for their client's best interests, which right now I don't think they all do. I mean, you and I know that not all of them do that, and that's well, a problem and, as well. And the problem is that people don't know that they don't know what they don't know. So, right. they don't, right. so when you look at a title and it says financial advisor, what does that really mean? Anyone can say that, whether you're a fiduciary or not. See, they what I think they should have done is regulate titles, regulate who's doing what and let people know. If you want to be pay for if you want to have a broker buy and sell you a mutual fund, 
fine. Let just this will be clear what that person does. Don't let them hold themselves out as some sort of financial planner when they're not. They're just a salesman. And I don't mind that because it's a lot cheaper to do it that way than to buy a mutual fund through me because I'm charging a fee to give you the advice. And you still have to pay for the mutual fund. So I get it. But why wouldn't they just delineate titles, really focus on it? And instead, what they've done is they blurred the lines even further and they're allowing, you know, and they didn't go all the way. So either you go nowhere or you go all the way. Don't go this half, you know, half baked plan. Right. And yeah, that's weird. It's like that's the problem with what happens with governments and laws. Uh, you start off with something that makes sense and then it gets voted down and then the compromise is some half-baked plan that doesn't work very well. It works well for the people that are currently not fiduciaries that are offering <laughs> guidance, you know, they right. now they because what they're going to do is they're just going to have more forms and their people just sign the forms, people don't read them. I know it. I do it all the time. I don't cl- read a lot of the things I click and sign up for when I get a new app, you know. Free pizza delivery if I do sign up for this app. Okay, sure. You know, next thing I know, everyone's reading my personal emails because I signed up, you know, right. you know, you know, um, so, and I think this idea that people won't be able to afford the fiduciaries. I don't agree with that. If everyone's required to be a fiduciary, there's going to be people that target that market and say, listen, I'm going to help people that don't have a lot of money and I'm going to charge you a, an hourly rate and you're going to get an hour of my time. And maybe it's a hundred bucks an hour, but Hey, that's a lot cheaper than hiring a fiduciary. Who's going to charge you a fee over time. And I think there'd be a business model for them. But right now, there doesn't have to be. So I don't, I don't like that argument. But the, 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 the way I want to kind of wrap this up, Tony, is, is, is ask you this question. And, and I want you to think about it as just an average Joe that doesn't really doesn't like to deal with finance. You don't like math. You know that. I know that. So here's the question. Would you want a new, less experienced fiduciary, someone that's brand new, they're, but they're a fiduciary and they're going to charge you a, a lot more money or someone that's going to be a lot cheaper and they have a lot of experience. They've been in the business for 30 years, but they're a broker with conflicts of interest that they tell you about. So you, you pay more for a less experienced fiduciary or you pay less for a really experienced broker with conflicts of interest. Which one do you want to go with? Mm, uh, the one without conflicts of interest. But it's going to cost you more, and you're going to get less experience. Uh, but are you? <laughs> well, that's just it. You know, I thought I thought with uh, yeah, well, yeah, because because that's what I'm saying is like there's not a lot of fiduciaries out there, and and as you get more and more fiduciaries having to become fiduciaries, they're going to be new at the game. Mm. But are you willing to pay someone that's new? If they have no conflicts, or are you willing? Yeah, to but that's relative. The- You've been doing this a while, and you're a fiduciary. I know other financial advisors that are fiduciaries that have been doing it a while. So, right, and but as you do it, and longer and longer, you get to the point where you can only add so many clients, and they raise the minimums. I only want to work with someone that has two million dollars. You know, that's true. So, that's true. That so, is true. Most of the most of the fiduciaries are really raising their minimums as to what you need to work with them. So your point about you know. Uh, people who the average person out there who has, you know, uh, less money saved up for retirement, which is the majority of Americans, you know, might not apply uh, to some of those and, and it might cost them too much as well. So but it is important to work with a fiduciary. I think if you just work with just a broker or just an, an insurance 
uh, person, the regulations aren't there that you need in place, and they might not always be looking out for your best interests. That's my concern. And the thing is, Tony, a lot of them do. They do look out for your best interests. There are a lot of good players. That's true. I'm not trying to throw them all under the bus. I'm just saying they're but how do you people. know? It's it's like taking your car into a, a an auto repair place. It's like mm-hmm. they could be mm-hmm. taking. They could say, "Oh yeah, this and this and this is wrong." I wouldn't know. You know. They could tell you you got to replace your windshield wiper uh, battery, and you would you would say, <laughs> "Oh yeah." yeah. Or you need you know you got to put some fluid you know oil. You need in undercoating. Your, uh... It's only nine hundred dollars. <laughs> what? So, um, but yeah, yeah, I get your point. I, I think this is really important and. It's something to ask your financial advisor, Brooke, are you a fiduciary? I think that's a good question to ask. And if you can find somebody you trust is the key here, though, right? I mean, if you know someone personally and they know you personally and, you know, you have to, there has to be some trust and they have to explain their ideas. And if if they sound right to you, maybe that that is a good thing. And I think you, when you, that's a great question. Are you a fiduciary? Because that's a yes and no. Um, or, you know, Tell me about your conflicts of interest, because now they're going to be forced to show you a paper on it. Just don't sign it. Look at it. Ask them about it. And when they try to explain it away, oh, that conflict, uh, here's why you don't want to worry about it. Hear them out. Ask questions. But just don't take it. Just don't accept that. You got to be empowered. That's That would be my, my best advice. Ask the questions. And now you're going to see it's going to be forced. You're going to have a lot more. And I believe that the new best interest rule is going to require people to go to existing clients and get them to sign this form. So it's a good way to talk to your existing financial advisor yeah. if they bring it up. There you, you go. Know, this is an opportunity because people don't like conflict. They don't like to 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 um, talk about this stuff. They feel a little weird questioning their authority of the person they've been working with. But this is why it's happening, just so you know. This is why you're getting that conversation coming up because the law just passed. Yeah. Yep. Makes sense. Well, you know what? I think it's been a great show. Is there anything else you want to add before we have to go today, Dan? That's it. Look for best interest uh, rules. Look for fiduciary discussions. I think the Department of Labor is going to be revising the fiduciary to try and have the same language as best interest. Hopefully we'll get somewhere where there's a happy universal standard of advice that's in the client's everyone's best interest. But who knows if we get there or not. I'm going to be at the fiduciary standard. If you want to talk to me, I'd be happy to talk with you. And like I said, like Tony said, I do not have a minimum to talk to people. You know, um, if I can help you, I can help you. I'm I am still at that point where I like to talk to people and help them. I'm not overwhelmed where I can't talk to anybody unless they have a million dollars. I don't want to ever be there. So give me a call and we'll talk through it. And I'll be the first to tell you whether or not you might be better off doing it on your own or talking with a broker. The number to call is 888-508-5935 or just go to dolphinfinancialgroup.com. All right. Thanks, Dan. Great show today. And listeners, that does it for today's episode of Dolphin Financial Radio with our host, Dan Wendell. The topics on this show are wide ranging, yet relevant to people approaching or living in retirement like me. If there is a topic you want to hear on the show, head to dolphinfinancialgroup.com and contact Dan to request your topic or to share your opinion. Dan Mundell or Dolphin Financial Group are not affiliated or endorsed by Social Security or any government agency. Everything discussed on today's show was for informational purpose only. Since everyone 
situation is different. Some things may not apply to you. The materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources. We cannot be 100% certain that they are accurate. You should really talk to my dad or someone from Dolphin Financial Group before trying to implement these ideas or strategies.